Today on Ag News Daily. I've been in precision ag technology since 96, and so I've been seeing the evolution of infield sensing and remote sensing and how to bring that together in the farming applications. With the Farm Smart Podcast, we're not just talking change, we're making change together. Farm Smart is where sustainability meets opportunity. We're helping growers leverage sustainable practices and products to record positive environmental impacts and provide new revenue streams. Tune in to learn more about sustainable ag and the opportunities and incentives that are enabling us to get to the future faster. Get the Farm Smart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at nutrientagsolutions.com slash farmsmart. 919, 2023, a rainy morning right here in central Iowa. We are happy to say this episode is brought to you by the Farm Smart Podcast. Subscribe now at nutrientagsolutions.com slash farm smart. Are you getting wet, Delaney? We certainly are, Tanner. I got to do a better job of paying attention to the forecast, even though I reported on it yesterday. Uh, I expected it to be done by this time in the morning and more just overnight showers, but certainly a little bit to knock the dust down before we go full-fledged into harvest, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. That pushed us out of the field, and I'm sure it's pushing a lot of other folks out of the field. But speaking of harvest, Tanner, we're now at 9% of the nation's corn crop harvested, according to yesterday's latest crop progress report. Uh, As we look at corn maturity, 90% of the corn in the United States was dented, three percentage points ahead of the five-year average, and 54% of the crop was mature. But as I mentioned there, 9% of the corn crop was harvested as of Sunday, up four percentage points from the week prior. Soybeans, we saw 54% of the crop was dropping leaves. And as far as harvest goes, NAS estimates that 5% of the U.S. soybean crop has been harvested as of Sunday. Yeah, we were pretty close on our guess, I think, Delaney, as far as that goes. Uh, quite interesting to see where things are going. Uh, we talked a little bit of wheat yesterday. The top six growing states are almost done, and winter wheat is in the process of getting seeded. Having some of the winter wheat actually uh, planting completion in some of those areas. Wanted to also hit, these thunderstorms may come back tonight, according to the National Weather Service. Heavy and brief downpours and gusty winds are possible. Northern Illinois, Indiana, isolated thunderstorms are likely through the day into this evening. The further south you get, storms are still expected to hit eastern Oklahoma. And isolated flash flooding will be possible from multiple rounds of thunderstorms that could produce heavy rainfall. Of course, our friends on the east coast are dealing with floods right now. One of the after effects of Hurricane Lee is a positive for those that like to hunt shells. Tractor trailer sized waves churned up by the hurricane last week turned several North Carolina beaches into a fertile ground of shell hunting. The ocean spit up a number of shells, including a wide variety of whelks, plus smaller, uh, such as olives and hard to find scotch bonnets. I think the only one I recognized out of that, Delaney, was the scotch bonnets. Sometimes big hurricanes will do this. They'll deposit specimens not typically found within hundreds of miles of typical beaches. So a lot of collectors are now heading there. Thought that'd be quite interesting to share with our listeners. If we have any shell experts, maybe they need to jump on a plane and head to North Carolina. 
Maybe. Tanner, but I'm surprised you didn't have any other weather forecasts for us or weather headlines for us today. That was about it. Just some scattered storms going into this evening. Uh, other than that, there are those potential for some flood warnings coming if the rain is as heavy as expected. Well, I've got one other quick weather headline here, and that's according to the latest National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. Really a couple of quick headlines. The first of which is the NOAA recorded 13% of the world's surface temperature reading reached their hottest temperatures in August on record going back to 1951, Tanner. They're saying a lot of the reason for that is sea surface temperatures reached their warmest anomaly in August. So for those of you that were maybe out on vacation, you got some nice ocean temperatures However, NOAA officials warned that people may have to keep the sunblock on moving forward as more records are expected to be broken in the coming years. They also put out some predictions yesterday that implied the El Nino weather pattern may be peaking already. World Weather Inc. shared that they believe the model may be mishandling a short-term bout of cooling that is occurring off the west coast of South America. The cooling trend coupled with a slower cooling trend occurring in the subsurface central Pacific Ocean may have model forecasts tilted more aggressively towards weakening El Nino conditions. Tanner, what that means for our listeners is El Nino may begin to dissipate a little bit, which of course is the cooler, wetter conditions compared to the La Nina, which is hotter, drier conditions. However, experts are saying that El Nino will remain strong enough to dominate the ocean and atmosphere in much of the world through the fourth quarter of this year. But beyond that, there are questions as to whether or not that trend will continue. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it's going to be very long lived, which is interesting to look at. FS, a Midwest company, their agronomists have been traveling throughout the Midwest collecting corn yield data as harvest begins. Illinois, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, Missouri, Ohio, Wisconsin are the states where the data is being collected on the FS crop tour. The estimated yield and number of location samples will be uploaded to the FS agronomy yield analyzer tool. The yield analyzer maps the points and consolidates their efforts by geographic area to calculate an estimated yield. As of Friday, September 15th, the yield analyzer app reported Kentucky at 226 bushels per acre with 71 locations sampled. Ohio's at 224, 12 locations. Michigan, 216, only four locations. But then you get into Iowa and Illinois. Illinois is pegged at 213 with 282 locations sampled. Iowa, the same 213 bushels per acre at 178 locations sampled. So kind of interesting there to see all these yields above 200. Missouri came in at 212 and Wisconsin at 209. Definitely higher than some of the yield estimates that we have seen recently. But of course, these are just small sample sizes and are not uh, officially tied to any reports. But it'll be interesting, Delaney, as we see more harvest reports happen as harvest continues to progress forward. Absolutely. And of course, one thing that could impact harvests moving forward, well, really globally, is continued drought and decreased water levels in the Panama Canal. We've continued to report on that story, Tanner, as it develops and have seen quite a few restrictions 
as to the number of daily ships that could come through the Panama Canal compared to usual. Canal authorities recently announced that their intention is to maintain this limit, and that's expected to go into 2024 and beyond. As of last week, Tanner, the restrictions have resulted in a large number of ships backlogged. 116 vessels currently are waiting to cross the canal, and that's the main route for about 60% of total cargo transported by container ships from Asia to the eastern coast of the United States. So that could certainly impact the prices you pay in the store, as well as potentially some prices we see here for grains uh, during harvest season. Yeah, we were keeping an eye on that. I'm glad that you provided the listeners an update. All I've got left today is Russia and Ukraine updates. The annual UN General Assembly is unfolding in New York for the second year under the shadow of the war between Russia and Ukraine. Joe Biden and Ukrainian President Zelensky are set to address the UN today. Zelensky is expected to appeal for more support. Uh, Russian drone attacked attacks struck a warehouse in Liev yesterday, killing workers and destroying tons of humanitarian supplies as far as those set to help the war effort. Situation in Ukraine remains difficult after Ukrainian troops captured two villages near Bakhmut, as you were talking about yesterday, Delaney. The Moscow court rejected an appeal by Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich against his pretrial detention. According to the Russian state media, the U.S. journalist has been detained in Russia since March. But we do see farmers continuing to help Ukraine. Back during a terrible week for Putin in March, Ukrainians' armed forces claimed that Russia had lost 21 tanks in a single day. This was due to farmers stealing these tanks with their tractors and heavy equipment. In addition to other armored vehicles, uh, farmers have videos seen taking Russian tanks away from their posts, hooking onto them with their tractors and hydraulics to be able to get them to maneuver away. So quite interesting there to see as Ukrainian farmers and tractors are continuing to provide extra assistance in the war. Uh, Tanner, I think I am out of news for today as well, aside from chatting overnights here. What do you say? Let's get into it. Well, as we look at the overnight markets here, just heading into the closing session of overnights before we head into opening markets here on this Tuesday morning, December corn down one and three quarters cents at 469 and three quarters. New crop beans down three pennies at 1313 and three quarters. Hard red December Chicago, excuse me, hard red winter wheat down four and a half cents at 7.30 and a half. December Chicago wheat down three pennies at 5.88 and a quarter. And December spring wheat down four and a half cents at 7.73. Tanner, a quick look at where livestock markets closed yesterday. October live cattle shed 60 cents at a buck 86.32 and a half. October feeder cattle shed $3.52.5 to close at $260.95. And October lean hogs added 12.5 cents will open this morning at $83.25. Tanner, for today's Tech Tuesday interview, fill us in on the fascinating conversation you had. Yeah, we were walking around a couple of the innovation tents, and my co host Corey saw this booth sitting on the back wall and goes, Oh, 
that would go great with the Epic Ag's Instant Read Soil Probe. So we're going to be talking a nearly instant read tissue sampling device that is new to the market. So let's jump into that conversation. With the Farm Smart Podcast, we're not just talking change, we're making change together. Farm Smart is where sustainability meets opportunity. We're helping growers leverage sustainable practices and products to record positive environmental impacts and provide new revenue streams. Tune in to learn more about sustainable ag and the opportunities and incentives that are enabling us to get to the future faster. Get the Farm Smart podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at nutrientagsolutions.com slash farmsmart. We love new technology. We've got John here, co-founder and CEO of LeafTech. We are going to discuss on-demand tissue analysis, Corey, and uh, we walked by, you saw this, and you went, oh, is that like the soil probe? I was like, that, that's going to go with our soil probe. Yes, yes. So we're excited to learn more about LeafTech. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Let's start with you, John. Who are you, and uh, what's your story? Um, my name is John Masco, and I'm uh, co-founder and CEO of LeafTech Ag, located in East Central Indiana. Uh, we founded the company. We are a generational farming family. My son and my daughter and my wife and I founded this company about three years ago. Um, I've been in precision ag technology since 96. And so I've been seeing the evolution of infield sensing and remote sensing and how to bring that together in the farming applications. And so we've been building this up. And one of the main issues that we have is that not being able to be responsive to what the plants need when they need it. And so we figured out a way to measure in near real time the uh, nutrient content of a plant and then being able to address the, what it needs. How long have you been doing this? Uh, this will be in our third year. And, and what did you do before that? Uh, that's what I was doing, precision ag technology, okay. uh, working with remote sense data and infield data. I do a lot of disease, pest, nutrient modeling uh, from infield data. Where do you learn all that? Did you go to college for that? or just No, I've, I've actually uh, I've got degrees in uh, agronomy and animal nutrition. Okay. And then also our family farming background, all of that came through. And um, we're doing things that people said can't be done. <laughs> so there's no book written on it right now. Okay. So did you go to Purdue for that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, was a, that was a big sigh. Okay. Oh. Cal College. <laughs> Ah, it's all right. We like ag colleges. Yep. I well, like except it. for Nebraska. Okay, so Dave. Except I, for Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, I've got this device sitting in front of me, but I want you to describe it. I want to hear Dave's words as to what this looks like. It's like a pancake machine with a single <laughs> handle that has a DeWalt battery on the back with like a viewing screen, like the old little click slideshows when you were kids, but yet it's not that. It has your cell phone mount like it's yeah. for uh, running a drone. So if you can picture that, black box, about a foot long, with a cell phone holder, battery, and we get to compress the plant in the middle, and somehow, magically, we get all the nutrients out of it. <laughs> That's about it. A hair straightener is another one. Hair oh, yeah. hair straightener. That would have been a is good what it is. Yeah. It's a leaf straightener. Dave's, you take it yeah, out there. It is. Yeah, it's leaf. leaves. Yeah, you can steam your leaves and get all the data out of it. <laughs> hair straightener would That's be exactly good. what, yep. just like the one Dave used. Probably have to have a lot of batteries for that. <laughs> yeah. That's all cool. Right, so How heavy is it? Oh, uh, I would say that felt like 10 pounds? Eight, no. eight pounds? Uh, you're 
probably around six to eight, six to seven, six and a half to seven pounds. All right. Depends on how many attachments you get, like scope on it, or yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> you put Dave's brick of a phone on it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. He's got his whole wallet with all the money in Darn it. Darn right. Well, yeah, we, we've got it balanced out so the battery's on one side and the scan bed is on the other, and we have a scan bed that allows us to do multiple leaves. So we can do corn, cotton, and soybeans. Right now, we're adding alfalfa and wheat. Uh, and in addition to peanuts and other crops in across the country. So we can I, maybe you can share on the inside. We have a light somewhere that is shining through. I'm guessing in a receiver of some sort. Is mm -hmm. it lidar? What what's on? What's the tech? Uh, basically, it's a it's a multispectral camera or a sensor. Uh, we're gathering uh, 40 plus bands of light. Okay. Or spectra, and we are measuring all 40 bands. So we've got the full range of it. And then we're collecting uh, about 200, about 2,076,000 pixels. Whoa. And each pixel has the 40 plus layers plus all the metadata associated with each pixel. So we've calculated, we've got about 89 million data points that we're collecting. Per scan? Per scan. And that resolution allows us to look at nutrients. We are also seeing that we can do this for disease, pests, and other characteristics that we're looking for within a cat, within a plant. So based on processor speed back in the 90s, that's going to take five weeks. <laughs> at least, yeah. So yeah. now with today's technology where our processors are, like look at our phones, mm -hmm. okay, a uh, little bit faster, this is still going to take an hour? How long? No, what, uh, what it does, it captures the, the uh, base file, and then we send it up to the cloud. Okay, and then we can we spool it up from there on processing. It takes about three to five minutes to get all the data processed. The slow part actually is the communications on the cell phones. Okay, because say. it it takes a little bit to get up, and it changes from place to place. But we can process directly in about a minute. But we figure about three to five to get it up to the cloud, process, and then back down to a. Uh, we use Power BI as the display. So you, you need Starlink, like built you in. kind of need cell phone service. You to move the data up, but you can do store and forward. Okay. So you can go out in the field, even though you're not connected to the server, and you can see if you are. Uh, you can go and scan as much as you need, and then when you get to cell service, you connect up to the server and let it upload, yep. uh, and work with it from there. Is there any kind of like calibration process between hybrids or you know geographies? Uh, even plants. You said you got to go to cotton and right. all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, no, there is a little bit of validation work we do between species, but uh, we're we are measuring the spectral signature of each nutrient, so that gives us a consistency. We're not trying to interpret chlorophyll content to give us nitrogen percentage. We are measuring true nitrogen. Okay. And we're measuring all the true values that are generated from each nutrient as it comes through. Say that. Okay, go ahead. I, 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 that was just the coolest word ever. Spectoral what? Signature. Yeah, he's got a lot of cool words. <laughs> Spe can you measure? So What's your spectoral signature? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be good, uh, especially after last night. <laughs> Mercy. Uh, so uh, I'm in I'm agronomy, the minor, and so I measure things in NPK and micros. Right? We have it's pretty straightforward. And you said this can do more. Like, are you looking at like bricks and things of that nature? Yeah, we're, uh, we're looking at bricks. We're looking at ADF, NDF, nutritional values, and these types of things because. The science and the processes in like a, a normal lab 
or generally spectoral in their evaluation of it, and we can replicate that with what we're doing. So, Corey, for all of us uh, dumb people out there, what's BRICS? It's a measure of uh, the sugar mm-hmm. in the in sugar, the, content. sugar content in the plant. So you okay. want your BRICS higher in a plant, and a lot of people would argue that most of the time it's too low, and if your BRICS are higher, insects can't digest sugar, and then they won't they'll leave your plants alone. Mm-hmm. When I eat more sugar, I get fatter. Does that work with corn uh, plants too? Well, they make sugar and have it in their plants. Got right? it. But bugs can't eat sugar because they don't have the same gut as I human. I gotcha. Right? So they die if they do. All right. Not to digress, but you, so you're measuring that as well. Well, we're in the process of including that. We started out with just looking at the uh, micro and macronutrients. We measure 12 of them plus leaf water content. That leaf water content tells us how stressed or water stressed that plant is so that we can see how the concentration of the nutrients get more the more water stressed it is because it's not diluted as much. Right. That's a, probably a big part of the factor because mm-hmm. probably your lights change colors or whatever they, they're measuring different, whether it's right. full of water or not. Yeah. The intensity of it goes through. And then the other thing we're able to start looking at is that we're looking at every leaf on that plant. And there's variation between the lower leaves and the upper leaves and oh. how the plant moves the nutrients through that uh, process when it's putting on grain or whether it's growing vegetatively. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to question, this has caused me to question everything I've learned in agronomy the last 25 plus years. Oh boy. Because it doesn't make sense because it's like, who decided which leaf to sample? So the normal process of a, a, I would call it a normal tissue sample Mm -hmm. is you, if the plant's under a certain size, you go take the whole plant. Yeah, if it's short. And if it's uh, like say tasseled or got an ear on it, you're taking the ear leaf? The ear leaf and or the first collared leaf. Okay. The full collared leaf of it. So what's the advantage of what you've created over what's traditionally been done? What we're able to do is we can um, select an individual plant, geo-reference that plant, and scan it in less than 15 seconds. Then you can go and scan another one. So we can gather hundreds of data points in a field that allows us to determine the nutrient uptake or the bioavailability of nutrients in the field. The soil may say we have a lot of nutrition there, but if it's not getting up to the plant, it doesn't matter. And so that's what we're able to do is we're able to give the results in three to five minutes versus three to five days of taking it to a laboratory, sending it off, waiting for the results. And you generally are doing, sending off a um, composite sample. You're collecting 15 to 20 leaves from an area. So not geospatial and it's like okay we got an area and it's kind of like marketing it's like selling and then finding out what your price was three to five days later what you sold it for so what what uh uh, i'm a farmer okay i go out i do this great my soil is great but my plants suck Mm -hmm. so do you give prescriptions are you telling me like how to fix it or are you just saying your plants suck uh we just say this is what your levels are Okay. And then you can either... Yeah, it's, it's probably not on a suck to not suck scale. <laughs> yeah. it, it, that's a good way to put it. We could put that scale on there. But uh, generally, we do let the people locally do the recommendations based okay. upon the local conditions because the sufficiency, insufficiency levels of a nutrient are kind of determined locally by whether it's a, a, test, a tissue sampling company or an agronomist or whatever. And then they can we can export our digital tissue sample directly into a crop management software where, where you can zone, do nutrient zones, and target what's going on in there. And then you can prescribe and apply directly to that area. 
And by being able to target apply the right nutrients at the right location at the right time, we have better use of inputs and we have better use of the um, um, outcomes from the f uh, giving the right nutrients to that plant to meet its potential. Hmm. So I'm, I want to go back to the process. Sure. Uh, you said you collect 15, a normal tissue, you collect 15 out of an area in a field. What are, what are you doing? Are you doing a composite? No, we do, we're doing individual plants. Right. And you get the individual report for each plant non-destructively. Can you lump them together? Like, I mean, one plant sometimes might not right. tell the whole story, right? right. So then you kind of want to look at it right. in a the, wide view. The, the thing is, if, you, if you're going to take all of them together and average them, yep. that's what you're going to get the average. And yep. what we don't... If you want to continue to do that, I kind of say just stay with your current program because yeah. you're not taking advantage of it. We're saying is take hundreds of points in that field okay. in the same time it takes you to get that 15. And then if you map those data points, you can pinpoint where you need to put a foliar treatment or so what's testing. Your What's the process? Are, are you scanning one plant multiple times? Or where would you suggest what, the scan? We were doing it right now. It's almost like a, a modified grid. So if you have an applicator that's 90 foot wide, hit the middles of it and just scan as many plants as you can in a grid pattern right now. But you only scan one plant one time on one leaf? On one leaf, then you go to the next one and you can scan multiple leaves every 15 seconds. Which leaf do you suggest on the plant? Right now we're saying go with the, the current protocols. Okay. Ear leaf, first collared leaf. We are discovering that we, we want to make sure we have enough information to challenge that, that idea. Because it might make a difference, right? Because sometimes the new growth mm -hmm. might have something nutrient difference than something of old growth, correct? Correct. Or in theory. In theory, because it, 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 we've, we've scanned the plants here locally, and each leaf is different. We have a, a leaf that is senesce that has a higher nitrogen content. A dead leaf on the bottom, very yeah. first leaf, has higher nitrogen content than the upper leaves. Okay. So go ahead. You, you, two, two questions. One, you said non-destructive. Correct. Does it really matter if we kill one plant? I mean, in the scheme of like the whole... Or even if you took one leaf, it wouldn't kill it. Yeah. It won't kill it, but you can go back to that same leaf. And rescan it. And see if what if you did changed. changed because okay. that's the problem Fair is enough. that we don't know because we have to destroy the plant to find out what the content is. And if we make a change in it, we can't go back and check the change. The next thing I was wondering is you said uh, to see if something was dead, Corey. So I'm just thinking, um, we talked about uh, uh, desiccating beans. And when we knew they were dead with the, uh, uh, then we knew four days later that we might come in and we'd be the perfect moisture content yeah. to, to go through it. Could this tell us if, like we had the hot spell during Iowa State Fair, yeah. could, you said your, your uh, ears started dropping. Could yep. you go test at some time and then maybe predictively down the road say, oh, hey, you have 15 days, you're going to be ready for harvest because you know that it's dead? Could you, could you go out and, you know, scan half your field and say, well, these plants are all dead. I can tell you that normally or typically 15 days later, we're going to be harvested. So this could give us At some that information. that point, why don't you just take the sample of grain? <laughs> grain. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Yep. Not a bad question, but that's probably a more efficient way to, to take care of that. Yep. Now, the one thing we did find is the group that you saw earlier that we are looking at crop residue. Okay. And we can measure the nutrient content of the crop residue. We weren't anticipating that. Yeah. 
And so if you can use a product that, re that helps um, make that process faster so mm -hmm. you can get the re from the plant to the soil, you can get your nutrients reclaimed for plant usage if you have an ability to check and see what that's going on there. Got one more on this, and then we got to sure. pivot to the the next thing. But so, like I said, you should take the leaves. Is it a better quality sample because it's fresh? It's right there. It's not you know drying out or getting mm -hmm. you know put into a bag and then shipped. Well, we right now we we have to compare ourselves to uh, multiple labs, and right now we're giving results that are eighty-five to ninety-nine percent accuracy or within the ranges of a test lab. Yep. And so by taking it at the, at the plant, we get leaf water content, which tells us the stress, and then we're getting all the nutrients that are in yep. there. So that real-time capability is really good. Now i got it. Now I got another one. You got another one? Yeah, well, here? Tanner's going to be mad. I keep making this go longer. <laughs> Where did this technology come from? I imagine it wasn't developed just for this. Is it, was it being used somewhere else in medical or something beforehand? No, we've did this from the ground up. Really? Yeah. You, so you've developed the tech. Yeah. yeah. We and you have a patent on that. And yes, all that. we do that. We we found a sensor that we started working with that's really not even on the marketplace right now that gives us the economical ability to measure all of the bands Very cool. in a real-time basis. Corey, and this is me just not knowing. You know, we've interviewed people with, with nutrients, uh, uh, so... Um, macronutrients they were talking about like bugs in a jug to help uh, boost those yep would this tell us if your uh one of these uh, biologics company is actually working i don't i i'm so above a, my pay grade on a repeated i would assume on a repeated trial basis you'd probably be able to tell if it was a beneficial well, can you tell, tell that john well right. what we're finding out is that because we're measuring the bioavailability through the plant okay that we are actually able to target a sampling area to see what the biologicals are in that area more effectively. Instead of doing a general grid sample, by telling the plan is telling us whether the nutrients are bioavailable, and then with because we have so many data points, we can actually map out where that area is. And I believe, my belief is that we'll see biologicals being more targeted to sample, find out what's there. It may be a disease. Uh, but then you can correct that more easily in the off-season. What a tool for companies that are selling that stuff, though. Yeah. You, know, you could yeah. side-by-sides yeah. and yeah. plots and all and, that. And we are seeing a comparison. We've had them used in side-by-side -side comparison, treated versus untreated, and we can measure uh, the significant difference between applied and unapplied. Yeah. Good. Well, I got one question, and I'm not going to let them ask any more. <laughs> how, how do we do the cost? Do I buy this? What's the structure look like? Well, what we do with this, this is a scan as a service, and uh, basically we provide the scanner on an annual basis. You scan as much as you want, and it's unlimited scans, and then you get the scanner back on a new subscription. So you're not buying the technology, you're not buying the scanner, you're getting the uh, a, a digital tissue analysis that has the GPS references okay. to it. Okay. So it's a subscription kind of like the soil probe that we've yep. looked at. Can we ask how much? Uh, the retail price is 15000 annually. Okay. And then basically the, the benefit of not owning it is that if you guys have an update to it, you take it in every year and it gets right. the updates and all that. You don't have to worry about service and maintenance and all who, that. Who owns the data? Uh, the one who owns the, scan, owns the crop owns the data. We don't repackage the data and send it out. 
we just don't, it's just not in our DNA. Well, I have one more question that has nothing to do with sure. agriculture. Are you a secret TikTok star? Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> because these guys have 4 million followers, and I'm pretty sure that guy looks exactly like you, the McFarlands. <laughs> <laughs> no. He's just not going to tell but you. The, the dot McFarland on TikTok. That's, that's who this is. The, the, yeah. <laughs> if it's going to be a secret stardom, he's not going to tell you it's him. It's no longer a secret. Is this Randy? <laughs> John, this has been uh, a pleasure to have your information. And tell us about Leaf Tech. Uh, right here on your card, it says www.leaftechag.com. Correct. Is that the best place to go if they want to buy yeah, more information? Uh, get us more information. We have some uh, distributors out here that are doing locally, working with people, because we want to make sure a high level of service goes with all the tech out there. Great. And uh, that's our methodology to make sure it's working right and going through there. Awesome. Cool. Well, we thank you for your time. Thank you, guys. Appreciate yeah. the opportunity. Thank you. Well, there you go, Delaney. It's always fun. And I think some of the benefits of actually attending these shows in person is the surprises that you'll see may not be a large booth could be something small but certainly something that will progress ag forward no doubt tanner we've got a lot of those conversations coming up again later this week on the podcast so in the meantime folks check us out on social media facebook instagram and twitter but tanner with that should we let the people go let's let them go